Thank you for joining us for Working Through the Word, a ministry of the Richmond Church of Christ. Let's join our seniors minister, Jack Hall, as he brings today's lesson. These young men are growing up to be quite the leaders. We appreciate it very much. Welcome to you who are here and to you who are online. I want to begin by giving a shout out to my good buddy, Joe French, down in the Carolinas. I miss Joe. You know, he was a big uh, encourager, kind of guy that would really pat you on the back. I remember preaching one time and standing in the back and people were going by saying, boy, it's a great sermon. Thank you and all of this. Joe walks up, puts his arm around me, and he said, well, you, you done the best you could. So, Joe, I'm going to do the best I can tonight just for you. You know, our elders throughout this year have been challenging us as individuals to find our place in the church. And it's a good challenge because it's biblical. We know in 1 Corinthians 12, for instance, that the Apostle Paul uses the comparison between the human body and the spiritual body to make the point that every member of that body is important. Some of the saddest conversations I've had through the years are with brothers and sisters in Christ who really believe that they are of no value to the local church. I've heard conversations like, well, I don't have any special talent. My financial situation keeps me from participating in a lot of things. Nobody here misses me. I'm not important. If I wasn't even here, they wouldn't know I was gone. That's not true. God knows that every child is important. Regardless of age, regardless of talents, regardless of responsibility, God knows that each child is important. And I want to challenge us tonight, continuing the theme of looking for our place in the church, I want to challenge each of us to take an inter, um, inventory, I started to say interview, you don't want to interview yourself, an inventory, just take an inventory of ourselves. And if we understand that God loves us, that my brothers and sisters in Christ love me, no matter my situation in life, and that I am important to this congregation, then we will understand that we are doing everything we can to please God, working together each in our own way building the body of Christ. And here's the first thing that I would ask you and I will ask myself to take a look at. The Bible says many places, Matthew chapter 5 is probably the one that's best remembered, that you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. And I ask you to ask yourself, how is my light shining? In Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, 
let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Let me challenge you tonight. Let me take you back to Western Kentucky, to the Mayfield area. The devastation I saw today on the news is gonna be the most expensive storm in the history of this country. And many of, many of those people are in the dark. When it gets dark, there are no lights, no electricity. You know, in that kind of situation, one little match, even though it's not a large light, but that one little match for a time will throw away the darkness. What about a candle? A candle light in the middle of total darkness and how it shines and sticks out and is noticeable. What about a flashlight? Particularly if you have one of those that are uh, advertised that the Navy SEALs use and it's like a spotlight when you shine that thing. Or a lighthouse with the continuous blinking of light that can be seen for miles. Which kind of light am I? We're all some kind of light. And do we want people to see our light. We don't want it for glory. We don't want it to build ourselves up, but we want people to glorify God by seeing the light of God. And they can see that through Christian people. And so again, I challenge us, what kind of light am I? Will people notice that I'm living for Christ? And will that spread and cause people to think good things about God and the church? And I can say amen, yes, and amen. I joined the YMCA recently. I've been trying to lose some weight. I've been doing aerobics classes. I've been swimming quite a bit. I'm getting ready to get into their weight room where Ken Johnston is going to be my mentor and trainer. Thank you, Ken. He just volunteered. <laughs> but I, in the short time that I've been a member of the YMCA, and you get back in the locker room and uh, getting dressed for these classes, and I meet people that I've never seen before, and I always ask new people, uh, are you looking for a church? Do you go to church? And most of the time, they already have their church, and so they're not interested, but when I say, they say, well, where do you go to church? Oh, I go to the Richmond Church of Christ out on Lancaster Avenue. Oh, is that the one with the big blue building, the big blue roof? Yeah, that's, that's me. And they say, do you know Chad Middleton? You remember Chad Middleton? <laughs> yeah, I sure do. Or they'll say, what about Jim McChesney? You know Jim McChesney? Tim Ross's name came up the other day in the men's locker room, Tim. I mentioned the church and they wanted to know if I knew Tim Ross. You know what's happening? Lights. <laughs> Lights. You know, I'm not a concert person. I haven't been to a lot of musical concerts in my life. I've been to a few, mostly uh, hillbilly. <laughs> but I see sometimes in these coliseums and even in the outdoor arenas that people will have lights 
and they'll turn the lights off and all you can see are those lights waving back and forth, waving back and forth as the bands play. You see, individually, in that surrounding, one light wouldn't do a lot. But when you have hundreds or thousands of lights, then it changes the whole atmosphere of the situation. And so we need to strive to live our lives for God because people can and will see the light of Jesus Christ. It also says in the book of Matthew chapter 5 that we're very familiar with, those same people who are the light of the world are the salt of the earth. Now, I eat too much salt, according to my wife. I have a very bad habit of food being set before me, and I pour the salt to it before I even taste it. Today at lunch, uh, she fixed uh, eggs, bacon, and I asked her, did you salt it? And she said, yes. And I bit into the first bite, and guess what it needed? <laughs> More salt. And so I went and got the salt. To me, salt is a flavor. It's a seasoning. It just adds some punch to whatever it is you're eating. I put salt on salads. You put salt on salads? We were with somebody not too long ago and, uh, out in a restaurant, and I ordered a, the house salad, and I started putting salt on it, and the people thought I was crazy. They'd never seen anybody put salt on a salad. But the point is, why does this imagery, why is it it's so important when Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth? Salt tastes good. It gives a good flavor. One of the biggest complaints when people go into hospitals is the food, how bland it is. There's no taste. Why? Because there's no salt. We ought to make the world taste better. We're surrounded by sin darkness, thievery, all kinds of immorality, and we need to taste good, turn people away from that particular lifestyle and turn toward Jesus Christ because we are the salt. Mark chapter 9 and verse 49, for everyone will be seasoned with fire and every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt. Now here's what I think that passage means. We are going to go through trials. We're going to have hard times. We're going to be tested by fire. But those who respond properly, those who remain with God, they're going to receive, be like the salt. Not test it in the fire, but be the salt of all good works. Everything that we do, every deed that we do in the name of the Lord, from the food baskets to whatever you want to mention, it's salt. It's making the community taste better. It's making the congregation taste better. It's increasing our light in the community and individually. We are important. Congregationally, 
we are extremely important. Here's the third thing. The Bible says that we are leaven. Now, I'm not a cook. Uh, my wife today, when she was making that scrambled egg with the bacon, pulled me over there and made me stand and watch how she fixes eggs. So if something happened to her, at least I could scramble an egg with salt. <laughs> but I know what leaven is and what leaven does, even though I'm not a kitchen man of any kind. Leaven is what goes into the dough and causes it to raise. It interacts and it causes the dough to raise. We are the leaven of the world. When people interact with Christians and they see Christian values, we are interacting with society around us. And we're making something good happen because it's going to expand and grow larger. Now the people particularly of the Old Testament would understand everything about leaven. There were times when they were not to have leaven not even in the house. There were times when leaven was important. And we learned in scripture that leaven can be good or bad. The influence that we want out of our leaven is a good influence, but there are bad influences. In Matthew 16, verse 6, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And then Jesus, a few verses later, tells us exactly what he's talking about. What is the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? Well, Jesus says in chapter 16 and verse 12 is doctrine. Beware of the leaven or beware of the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. There's a case of where leaven is a bad influence rather than a good influence. But we want ours to be good so God can be glorified. Matthew, I'm sorry, Galatians chapter 5 and verse 9. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. Again, I don't know a lot about leaven, but I understand that a very small, very small amount of leaven will interact and have an impact on quite a large uh, pile of dough. So God says, a little leaven, that's us individually, we are helping to leaven the whole church collectively, and we are helping to leaven the community in which we live and ultimately worldwide. You see, we're important to God. We're the light, we're the salt, we're the leaven. And God wants us to demonstrate this in our lives so people can see the light of Jesus Christ. God also wants us to be watchful. In Matthew 26 and verse 41, watch and pray to avoid temptation. Now that's not a direct quote, but that's what the passage says. We want to watch, why? Because the devil is walking around seeking whom he may devour. 
because there's temptation everywhere we turn. Do you find it harder and harder to be able to watch television in your home because of the things that you see, even in commercials? Uh, we have struck down, I don't know how many channels that we just don't watch anymore because you never know when it's going to pop up. And that's sad. That is sad. We need to be watchful. You know, when they got children, you got young boys and girls watching this stuff on TV. And they see men kissing men, men in bed with men. They see it all their lives. And at some point, it's going to have a negative effect. Already it has a negative effect, but it's going to get worse as the younger generation is introduced to it more and more and more. We need to be watchful. We need to be watchful as parents. We need to be watchful as members of the Lord's church. We need to be watchful to, for other members of the church. We need to be helping those who maybe are weak in the faith or some people have not returned since the pandemic. We need to be reaching out to these people. Be watchful because it's so easy to just fall away. In Mark chapter 13 and verse 9, Jesus warns the disciples to be on watch for yourselves. He knows they're going to be persecuted. He knows they're going to be arrested. He knows they're going to be punished. He knows that some of them are going to be killed. And he says, be watchful. Luke 21 and 36, watch that you may be counted worthy in the end. And that's what all of us are hoping for. In the end, we want to stand worthy, not because of our deeds, but through the blood of Jesus Christ and our service to him. We need to watch, be aware. Pay attention because death is coming unless Jesus returns first and then the resurrection is coming. And how are we going to stand? We need to be watchful so we stand in the end. 1 Corinthians 15, 13. Watch, stand fast in faith, be brave, be strong. Sometimes that's a struggle. It's a struggle because of things that happen to the family health-wise or in some other way. Uh, sometimes the work environment is not what we would desire. Sometimes the friends that we care a lot about have worldly ways that could rub off. We just need to be careful, be watchful. It starts in the home and it continues until the resurrection, being watchful for our souls. Two more. We need to be an example. We know in John chapter 3 when Jesus washed the feet of the disciples. And when he was done, he asked Peter, do you know what I have done? Do you even understand? what's taken place here when I, the Son of God, washed your feet. Do you know what's been done? And he says, it was done 
as an example, an example of how we ought to treat one another, an example of how we ought to hold others up above ourselves, an example of how we need to hold our tongue. It's an example of how we need to be forgiving. And all of these things sometimes are difficult to do. But we understand the Bible is full of examples of people who followed God in spite of everything that was against them and remained faithful unto death. Philippians chapter 3, verse 17, Paul challenged the church in Philemon to look at me as an example. He wasn't building himself up. He wanted those people to follow him as he followed Christ. So by following Paul's example, they were also following the example of Christ himself. 1 Peter 2, 21, Christ suffered for us. Why? Leaving an example. Leaving an example. Romans 12, 1 and 2 we're to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, be examples to other people. I look in this audience, and you all are good examples to me, truly. The things that take place behind the scenes, people do that they never get any real credit for, parents who are here with their children, parents who promote Christ at home and the children see that and grow up with that example. I've been touched many times. People come up to me and will tell me that I said or did something that helped them at some time or another. I wasn't even aware that it happened. I was looked at as an example and you are looked at as an example. When we talk among ourselves and we talk about needing help, there are a couple of names that just float in there, right? Automatically. Amen? <laughs> we need anything, whatever it is. There is somebody we can call because people in the congregation are examples of love and kindness and help and mercy. And we stand together wanting to be that way for one another in order to be strong in the faith, being an example to other people. The last one is love. You know, we talk about love all the time. You do, I do, we all do. And we love dogs, we love cats, we love salt, we love our neighbors. Uh, but the love of God, I can't express it. I, I don't have the words, the vocabulary, and it probably doesn't exist that humans can properly define the love of God. But you see, if I'm that little light and I'm that little piece of leaven and I'm a mouthful of salt. I'm an example to other people is because of the love of Jesus Christ 
who gave himself on the cross, shed his blood for the remission of our sins. And all God asks, show love to one another. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. The word stir. Stir up love. It's an exchange of love. We love, so we serve, and you love because you are served. Stir up with love. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 1. Let brotherly love continue. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 10. He who loves his brother abides in the light. And there is no cause for stumbling in him, in God. When we love one another, it just flows. Often it's not planned. It's just who we are because of the love of God, the love of Christ, the love that we hold for one another, and we just live our lives that way. And when we do, that light shines brightly. That salt is really tasting good. The leaven is doing its work. The light is shining bright because we demonstrate love in our lives one toward another. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25 that husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church. Now I love my wife. You love your wife. You love your husband. You love your children. But I know that I cannot express God's love to my wife. I simply can't. I'm a human being. But when husbands are told to love your wives as Christ loved the church, what is the example? What did Christ do? He purchased the church with his own body. And if there were families whose husbands loved wives like the Bible says so, a lot of this corruption and immorality would soon disappear. Love, love, love. Paul devoted a whole chapter to it, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And every time we read that, we should be strengthened and uplifted, knowing that the love of God is always with me. And when I demonstrate love, and you demonstrate love, and we demonstrate forgiveness, we demonstrate unity, the community sees. And it's a light calling them to Jesus Christ. I know this is simple. You haven't learned anything new tonight. You've heard this message three or four hundred times in your life. But I hope tonight it at least challenges you as I challenge myself to demonstrate these qualities in my life. In doing so, I'm serving God. I'm helping the church grow and I'm sharing the gospel with the community, and ultimately all over the world through the internet and mission work.
Are we Christian people who live according to these principles? Tonight, if you have never been baptized to become a member of the body of Christ, uh, tonight's the best night. We have no promise of any other. If your faith is such that you believe that Christ is God's son, that faith would cause you to repent of your sins, to acknowledge Christ as your savior, to be buried with your Lord in baptism. The Lord will add you to his church, his family, and his love will be spread through your life. If there's anything in your life that pulls you away from Christ and you'd like for the prayers of the church to help you, we'd be more than pleased to do so as our shepherds will be down front and as we stand and sing. We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast brought to you by the Richmond Church of Christ. We are located at 1500 Lancaster Road in Richmond, Kentucky. We meet on Sunday mornings for Bible class at 9 a.m., followed by our morning worship service held at 10 a.m. Our Sunday evening service is held at 6 p.m., and our midweek Bible study is held on Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you are in the area, we would love to have you as our honored guest. Thanks for listening.